Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and I am joined today by the hardest working economist in Canada, Eric Lascelles. Eric, we got lots to talk about today. Always appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. So, 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 but, but not a lot of smiles and chuckles really overall. So why don't we start with the Fed? We'll go to the jobs report and then we'll, and then we'll put together the, the whole impact. So Federal Reserve raises, uh, raises the rate, uh, their, their target rate 50 basis points last week and ha- then has a lot to say afterwards. What, uh, what, what did you make out of that announcement and expected? And, and, and then where do you see us going from here? Right. Yeah. So certainly they did raise rates and it is nothing new. That's not the first hike of the cycle, nor I'm afraid to say, is it set to be the last? And you know, they're not the first central bank to raise by 50 basis points. You know, Keep in mind that the normal pattern is, is a bit more cautious, 25 basis points at a go, but they're not the first to do that. Bank of Canada did that not long before. In fact, quite a number of central banks have, have been targeting a, a faster rate of tightening to get where they think they need to go a, a little bit uh, quicker. Uh, you know, the central banks are are really arguing there are two parallel motivations for tightening policy. One, of course, is that inflation is much too high. So that's the that's the sinister side of things, the part we don't much like. The other side, though, is that the economy is quite tight. Unemployment rates are about as low as we've seen, uh, certainly this cycle, but but in some cases in, in a generation or longer. So it's a very tight economy as well. And, and you just can't keep uh, trucking along at that velocity indefinitely. And so they're raising rates to try to cool that down. Keep in mind, Rate hikes are, first of all, they're well-intentioned. Second of all, they are arguably necessary. They are a good thing as much as it does make all of our mortgages a bit more expensive and uh, short-term losses on bond portfolios and all those things that we don't like quite so much. But it's a a necessary and good thing in the end because the goal of central banks is to avoid bad outcomes. And so their view is that raising rates... Uh, very much reduces the risk of, of structurally high inflation. That's the worst case scenario we're all trying to avoid here. Uh, also, to the extent the economy is overheating, it maybe increases your chance of the economy getting to survive for a few more years uh, as opposed to just overheating and tumbling down. So the rate hikes are are, are good and, and welcome, uh, but nevertheless, uh, particularly given the focus on making sure inflation doesn't get structurally high, uh, it does add to a number of factors that suggest the risk of recession is quite considerable over the next 18 months or so, you know, between rising rates and high inflation and commodity shocks and uh, a few other things I'm sure I'm sure I'm forgetting at this point in time, but but headwinds certainly there are a number of them. Uh, your risk recession is high over the next few years, and of course markets are forward looking. That's why the stock market is down, you know, 15% in the U.S. and and so on. And so uh, that's not to say the stock market has to to go down sharply from here necessarily. The going down that's been happening has very much been pricing in these these kinds of things, uh, and and so that that's already fairly well appreciated at this point. But you know, to pull it. Back to central banks, so they're raising rates. They've got some distance left to go. It looks like policy rates could well be. You know, so the Fed just went to one percent. Uh, looks like the policy rate could well be, you know, two and a half percent or something like that in a year's time. It's, it's not impossible that a three gets touched, which would be about as high as we've seen in a few decades. So we're we're seeing a, f- a fair bit of movement here. And again, it's just because it's so important to to crack inflation. And if that's accomplished, that's a win. Uh, you know, ideally, it's accomplished and recessions avoided. Um, but you know what? J- just cracking inflation, even if there were to be a recession temporarily along the way, uh, that's that's a, a good outcome too. In the sense that the key is to make sure we don't get stuck with a decade of high inflation or, or a generation of high inflation. That central banks don't lose all the credibility they built up over the last generation 
and, and you know, to the point that they could luxuriate in, in trying to maximize the economy and not just minimize inflation. So that that's job one. I think you know they, they've shown a lot of willpower here. I think they have a pretty good chance of pulling that off. So that's quite important. And then just in terms of the the, the, the other considerations within this latest Fed decision, so they're now beginning to uh, sell bonds as well. So the quantitative easing ended a while ago. Quantitative tightening uh, is is now underway, and it's ramping up actually in a, very similar to what we'd expected. And so they're ramping up to close to $100 billion a month of bond sales within a few months. And so it'll still be a good three or four years before the balance sheet is down to a size they, they'd like it to be over the long run. So that's going to be an ongoing process. Uh, and I should say, uh, as much as it's entirely relevant, and it's part of the reason that bond yields have increased so much, uh, it's it, it's equally uh, not a, a huge driver of yield. So for instance, you know, if you, you sell $100 billion of bonds a month for 12 months, so for a year, um, you, you'd argue the policy rate is equivalent to a policy rate that's about 25 basis points higher. So it's like an extra rate hike per year uh, is what the quantitative tightening is. So it's there, uh, but it, it's not the main driver. The main driver is that policy rate that's going from zero up to into the twos anyhow. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, big, big key is we do not want to, from a fashion or economic perspective, go back to the seventies. So we, we, we've got to, we've got to deal with inflation. A lot of, a lot of reasons not to want to repeat the seventies. Uh, and, and as you said, markets are forward looking. So, so we'll get to the stock market reaction and some other things, but a, a more rearward looking uh, number is the, the the jobs number, and the, the, just very quickly, that that was a pretty good number in the U.S. and Canada. Precisely, that's right. And so, yeah. as you say, uh, job numbers are, are looking backwards, though not that far backwards. It's April data. It's not like we're looking at you know December numbers in in May. Um, but but nevertheless, I guess the idea is actually economic momentum has been fine uh, over the first four months of 2022. Let's not lose sight of that. It's actually been a, a decent to good beginning to the year. And so, as per that, uh, U.S. payrolls up 428,000 jobs. Uh, that was actually a little above consensus. It's quite a good number by any reasonable standard, you know, normal might be 100,000 a month. So this is, uh, I should say, not post-pandemic normal, but normal normal. Uh, and so this this is still ab absorbing, you know, excess supply of labor and businesses that are still keen to hire, which which says something about their optimism for the future, which is, which is I guess, a good thing as well. Uh, we, we see hourly earnings rising uh, still in the, you know, 5.5% type range. And so again, great for workers, good for consumer spending, not great for employers paying the wages. Though I, I don't think we should cry too many tiers for the businesses because in general though they've increased their own output prices even more <laughs> and so actually you know real wage growth is, is negative right now they're getting their workers if anything a little cheaper than before as opposed to more expensive so I'm not sure that actually does have to do much damage to margins at least as it stands right now but again we're seeing wage growth that's pretty quick and then unemployment I mean it's it's sitting at 3.6 percent in the U.S. I mean that's uh, 3.5 was the low before the pandemic but like that was a generational low it wasn't just an average cycle low so so these are very low numbers. And I know you can quibble and say, gee, if you were to adjust, you know, the number of workers in the U.S. is still a bit shy of the prior peak. And it's true. I would say that is uh, ultimately not proving all that helpful, though, in interpreting where the economy is or where the labor market is right now. You've just had some people early retire. You've had some other people make some 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 lifestyle or, or life changes. Uh, and uh, and so we need to acknowledge that, if anything, this labor market feels tighter than a 3.6 percent unemployment 
rate. You look at quits rates and uh, job openings and things like that. It looks like it's a you know two percent unemployment rate, whatever that means. Uh, and so it's it's extremely tight labor market. And and so get further to the need to cool things off a bit. Uh, it's, it's extremely hot right now. Uh, and then the Canadian side wasn't quite as strong. So Canada added fifteen thousand jobs. Now we have seen some pretty heroic months in the not too distant past, and and the Canadian numbers are also famously uh, choppy. We we lost sight of that I think recently because of course it was always so positive and you know whether it was a hundred thousand and it was really one hundred and fifty or really fifty it didn't really matter it was just big but now we're kind of settling down a bit and you're you're seeing that volatility a bit more more visibly um, unemployment ticked a little lower to 5.2% for Canada, that's quite low. I mean, I'll admit the series only goes back uh, uh, several decades, but it's it's the lowest over that period of time. Uh, so Canada normally has an unemployment rate actually a couple percentage points higher than the U.S. So if the U.S. is is 3.6, we should be 5.6 if you wanted to say we were equivalent just with more seasonal industries and more generous unemployment insurance and things like that. And so we are, if anything, with an even tighter labor market than the U.S. Um, but again, the main message is just that the, the labor market looking quite good. I, I will say I'm expecting hiring to slow in the coming months. I mean, just given give, given market turmoil and, and given the idea that rates are rising and growth should significantly slow, I'd be surprised if companies were quite so desperate to continue hiring. But equally, you know, a lot of them are, are behind the curve here and they, they have not got as many workers as they need. And you hear anecdotally that there are so many businesses unable to get the workers they need. And so you know, even if they suddenly realize they need 1% fewer workers, uh, it could still be they need 2 or 3% more than they have, uh, just to throw completely random numbers out there, Dave. Uh, sure, and so, sure, sure. Um, you know, I, I expect hiring to slow. Um, I wouldn't say at all is visible, though, that we're going to suddenly see firing outpace hiring. Yeah, and and, and the, the 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 anecdotal stuff, it, 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 it it's funny. I'm I'm down in I'm in I'm in California right now. Uh, I spent the uh, the last couple of days uh, in in Orange County, just south of uh, just south of LA. I'm in Palm Springs now. And and I, I, I'm I'm not a chief economist, but I have an economics degree, and I and I I'm always interested in what's going on in markets. This is my job, and this is what we we talk about. So I'm always looking for that anecdotal evidence. Talk to a real estate agent and find out what's going on in the real estate market, and and you're starting to just get that little bit of a feel because I was down here in March as well that things are slowing off a little bit, but you still do see from an employment perspective. Uh, you know, lots of short staff stores. You or you you go into a coffee shop or or a, or a restaurant, and and it feels like there should be three or four people uh, working a, a particular area of the restaurant, and there and there's you know two, right? So it's just everything's a little slower, a little. So so it's it, it's funny, but on on the real estate front, it actually looks like things are it feels like things are slowing down uh, a, a lot. So 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 where 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 do you where do you see us? Like where where are we? Where do, where do you think we 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 go from here? Right. Okay. Well, I mean, let's start on the real estate side for a moment, which is, yeah, yeah, sure. uh, yeah, I mean, of course, as interest rates go up, you would expect housing to cool. Uh, in, in fact, I, I would say you know the combination of, of what could be a weaker economy plus. Uh, plus higher rates, plus affordability. Of course, it isn't what it was uh, a couple of years ago. In many cases, it wasn't all that great then either, but it's certainly gotten gotten worse. And so it, it does suggest cooler housing. I would say my expectations in a U.S. context, that's where you are right now, I'm not convinced it's going to cool a lot. And, you know, Canadians look down with envy at home prices and the affordability and so on. And so it's, maybe that gives us a distorted impression. But nevertheless, I would say I'm expecting a cooler housing market in the U.S. I think there are some real risks in Canada, though, 
obviously we've had quite a remarkable run up. And you know, if you look at the the, the average monthly mortgage payment versus incomes and so on, you can say it's a good 25% offside nationally in terms of home prices versus affordability. Not that that's given us any kind of precision over the last 20 years in terms of what home prices do next. I'm hesitant to make precise predictions, but affordability is about as bad as we've seen over that couple of decades. And uh, and of course, interest rates are rising quite a bit. You know, the U.S. 30-year mortgage rate has gone from three something to to you know five and a half in in, in quite short order. And and in Canada, the five-year rate, which is the the, the benchmark here, uh, hasn't moved quite that much, but it's still moving in that kind of uh, vicinity. Uh, and so that makes things more expensive. And of course, in Canada, also some regulatory tightening as you know foreign home buyers not allowed and so on. So potentially some some dampening of of demand. Uh, and so I, my assumption right now is that we will see home prices potentially cool down somewhat in Canada. We could see some some actual declines. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a crash. It's not been the right thing to bet on in the past. And again, unemployment is low and savings are high and you know, interest rates. People have been tested on interest rates uh, left and right uh, over the last several years with regulations requiring quite a quite a you know, really significant buffer uh, against rising rates. And so I, th- I think we should talk about a cooler housing market, potentially home prices that are down somewhat. I'm not convinced it's a full resolution of a 25% offside home price kind of story. And keep in mind, you know, the first thing and the most important thing that moves when interest rates go up is housing. It's the most interest rate sensitive sector. So if you want an economy to cool off uh, and you want to raise rates in doing that, well, housing is, is what you, you want to, to cool. So uh, I think that's fairly likely. And then more generally, again, we've talked for a long time about 2022 being a year of decelerating growth. So I think that's very much still on. I think 2023 is where things get tricky and where it's harder to read. And so I would say you know, further deceleration, the question is whether it is a deceleration that ends in recession or if it's one that we just managed to avoid uh, with a soft landing. If it was a recession, is it a mild or a deep one? And frankly, you can present some pretty good arguments for that as well. I, I would say t- to me, the main message is one in which you know, 2023 could, could be significantly more challenging. When you're combining an oil shock with an interest rate shock, with an inflation shock, like any one of those could make a recession. And so that that could well be the outcome here. But let's not focus, I guess, exclusively on that. Again, for the reason we talked about at the start, which is just that like, markets get this. They've already priced a lot of it in. It doesn't mean necessarily that markets have to go down a, a lot further from here. And then the other one would just be, it was hard to get timing exactly right here. I would say, you know, to the extent there might be a recession, uh, it would be a useful recession if it tames structurally inflation. And that then sets us up for a, a pretty good you know, decade or two thereafter, in which we're back to a low inflation world and growth can thrive and unemployment can be low and so on. And so for long-term investors, actually, if anything, we're tilting in a, a more constructive multi-decade outlook as opposed to a to a less constructive one. So I think that that's an important uh, uh, consideration as as well, and 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 so so um so, so Eric, what um what's your view then on the on the the the, the possibility of a of, of a recession at this point? Is is it is, is this a is it a, you know historically the, the the Fed has had a had a real challenging time engineering the soft landing, uh, <laughs> central banks really all around the world, so. Are, are, do you think they have more tools in the toolbox, more experience, just that they learn more over the years to make it more likely that they can engineer the soft landing? Or are they, are they basically in the same spot that they're off? They've, they've always been in on this. It's just <laughs> yeah, a hard plane to land. 
Yeah. Right. So I, th I think central banks have learned some things, and it's very helpful to have learned from the 1970s as an example to avoid repeating them as, as just one example. Uh, you know, historically, gee, it depends on who you ask, and the numbers vary, and it can get very technical. But you know, the, the classic number is you know eight of eleven Fed tightening cycles since World War II have ended in recession. You can quibble a little bit. You can whittle that down to half of them if you really wanted to be optimistic. And so uh, you know, but central banks uh, you know d d maybe better at what they do these days than a few decades ago. So that improves the odds. Uh, but then on the flip side, of course, you all simultaneously have oil prices that have shot higher. Uh, and, you know, every time inflation has gone up this much, it, there has been a recession. So it, 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 in the end, I would say, uh, and this is this is very much a penciled in number and it could yet change. I, I think there's about a 70% chance of a recession over the next couple of years. So I think it's more likely than not, not a certainty that 30% is is a real chance and soft landings can and, and do happen. And, you know, just to paint that that scenario, just to emphasize that it's a, it's a real scenario, um, gosh, you know, may, may, maybe central banks raise rates a bit. Guess what? People start buying fewer houses. People start buying fewer durable goods. Uh, and you know the durable goods side fixes the supply chain issues potentially, and suddenly all that weird inflation pressure goes away quite quickly. Uh, to the extent people drive less, suddenly the oil price side is is resolved. Like it's possible some of these acute pressures that are separate just from an overheating economy uh, get get addressed with with a fairly subtle twist uh, in interest rates. And so there there are very much ways in which that settles down. And, and hey, we managed to to to, to keep growing. Uh, it's it's entirely possible, but but equally recession risk is quite considerable at this point in time. Uh, and it was the same for and Dave, as we've been saying for a long time. I mean, it was not a time to take as much investment risk as as a year ago. Uh, and you know, even the business cycle kind of rhymes with all of this in the sense that you know, at the start of the cycle and early, that tends to be the incredible period for markets. And so that that was. And then we've been talking mid cycle for the last uh, you know, gosh, nine months or so. And indeed, you know, for most of it, that's how markets were behaving. And we're still getting mid cycle readings there. But the other the late cycle is is is, is shouting a little louder these days. And again, you don't tend to do quite as well. So e even if this recent experience proves to be a blip, uh, it's not a time in which you're maximizing your investment risk taking right now, because you know, re realistically, the returns aren't going to be as big. They're less likely to be double digit returns than uh, than a year and a half ago. Yeah. And, and, and you know, markets are markets are kind of reflecting. If we look particularly at the at US markets, the Canadian market, because of the structure, doesn't show, hasn't shown uh, the, 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 the weakness or isn't forecast uh, for telling the weakness that, 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 that you're seeing coming forward. U.S. markets more broadly diversified are showing that. They, they, they've already been acting like it's, you know, there's a recession or at least a, a pretty significant slowdown down the road. Um, and then, as you say, as, as we as we move from mid cycle to late cycle, this is when you'd be taking some risk off the table. So not not surprising. And, and, and again, you still, though, uh, just just to, just to get back to, to what you've already talked about with it, you're still showing those mid cycle indicators, but you're you're starting to see the the, the later cycle creep in. Yeah, that's right. I mean, previously, I mean, a quarter ago, we also had a mid-cycle reading, but early cycle was like also making a significant bid, and it's not anymore at all. Uh, and late cycle is now it's still short of the mid-cycle claim, but it you know, wouldn't surprise me if next quarter it 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 it, it exceeded it or, or matched it. So uh, we can see the cycle is moving forward quite quickly. And so we we've talked really for the last two years about how maybe the the business cycle uh, would be would be shorter than before. And I th I must confess, in our own minds, we were thinking maybe it'll be five years instead of ten. Uh, it's not impossible that it's you know three year, three and a half years instead of instead of 10. That, that's that's quite possible. Um, but, but but keep in mind as well, on the market side, I mean, one of the remarkable things to me has been ever since the global financial crisis, in which arguably markets 
overdid it. And of course, it was a historic buying opportunity in, in, in many regards. Um, markets have been much more, I think, rational. And you know, I never would have guessed how little the stock market went down during the initial phase of the pandemic. I mean, you had a global economy that lost, you know, 15, 20, 25 percent of output uh, and the stock market went down pretty sharply, but not nearly t to that extent. Uh, and uh, and the market was rising within you know, a few weeks of, of the pandemic really hitting, which which boggled my mind to the extent that we didn't even really understand the pandemic fully at that point in time. And so I mentioned that just because I think markets learned a lot from the global financial crisis. They're much less likely to get to, to, to get too caught up in emotion to overdo it and so you know even as we talk about risks of recession like it again it could well be that 15% decline which is what we've already got on the table in some markets it could well be that's more than than ample i mean if you want to do things the proper way and say what's the you know present value of the future stream of earnings and you think it's a recession that lasts 6 months or something like that you could already say the stock market as well overreacted uh, to to that uh, and, and so you know, markets were pretty good at basically saying, okay, 2020 is going to be junk in terms of earnings and we're just going to look through it. And we recognize there's a recovery here and they were quite right. If anything, they underestimated the extent of the recovery we've since had. Uh, wouldn't surprise me again if markets were maybe surprisingly resilient, even in the face of, of recession. And and again, you know, I think through all the different scenarios and the best case scenario is a soft landing. We'd love the economy to keep growing and inflation gets tamed and it all works out perfectly. Of course, that would be a great outcome. But, you know, the second best scenario in my mind is a recession but one in which inflation does get cracked. And I could see the market actually being pretty happy about that because it avoids all sorts of nasty trouble later by fixing inflation. So uh, recession scenarios aren't necessarily that bad if, if they achieve the desired goal. Yeah, and, and, and that's really the key. And, and, and I, maybe just one really quick last question as we, as we go back to the Fed, because the, the Fed is going to have to stick to it to engineer what you discuss, even that recession that ends up being beneficial in that it resets and then we move forward from a nice base and, and have the opportunity to grow. Uh, do you think the Fed is, is, are they showing the resolve that you think uh, they, they need to have or are they still a little bit on the on the slow side here? I, th I think central banks are. I mean, they, in fairness, they and, and other central banks should have been going in the second half of last year. So they are behind the curve. There was a policy error. So let's not uh, commend them too much. And indeed, I would say there was policy drift over the last few decades. And they started focusing, they were focusing mostly on inflation a few decades ago. And then they said, oh, the inflation is so tame. Let's, let's really try and fine tune the economy as well. And they did that. And then, of course, they threw in financial market conditions, uh, I think rightly, but nevertheless, that became a big focus. And then more recently, inequality and climate change and things, of course, very important policies, but just not necessarily things you can properly address when you have one lever to pull. Uh, and so I, I must say they, they did lose their way a little bit. Uh, I do think that they've found their way again, though. It's very clear that inflation is the sole priority as it stands right now. And so that that's a good thing. And it makes me more confident they're going to succeed in taming inflation. Uh, but to your point, uh, that means that, you know, the Fed put probably isn't there. Every other time the economy starts to weaken, oh dear, let's let's cut rates and just you know get that economy roaring again. And, and they, they probably can't do that this time because the focus is on taming inflation. So again, if inflation gets tamed really fast, faster than we expect, then you know it's possible that the economy gets to keep keep moving forward as well. But uh, to the extent that those two goals are in conflict, inflation is going to be the dominant focus here. And so there are scenarios in which a recession is starting and the Fed is still raising rates. And again, it just means that the recession is, is all the more likely. Well, and let's see, this is why everyone comes to to listen to the download podcast, Eric, because um, you're never behind the curve, always disciplined, nose to the grindstone. 
You're gonna have to rename it, Dave. You're gonna have to rename it the Downer Podcast if you keep interviewing me. No, <laughs> no, no, no. The the, the least dismal uh, scientist I've uh, I've ever met, <laughs> as <laughs> as they call it. Eric, uh, always great to catch up with you, and uh, and and thanks for all your insights today. Really, uh, really important time uh, to be checking in on the global economy, and uh, and nobody does it better. So thank you very much. Thanks, Dave. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.